Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Minutes with Mute. I'm Mike Galtieri. Scott Mutrin joins us. BC sideline reporter for the IMG Sports Network, former Boston College QB in the 90s. Scott, as always, coming off a bye week, a little quiet. But we have Miami coming in on Friday night, short week in that regard. And, you know, we were kind of talking right before. You you had some opportunities against Miami during your playing days. Yeah, we played them a couple, you know, obviously five times. They were in the old Big East back then. The first time we played them in 94, we had a we had a pretty good team. We gave them a good battle down there, but that Miami team was loaded. I think they ended up playing uh, Nebraska in the national championship that game that year. They beat us to go to the Orange Bowl. I remember getting oranges thrown at me as I was walking off the field down in the, in Miami. That was something that had never happened before. And then <laughs> a couple other games uh, down there and playing. I played in 96. We had some, some guys injured. We battled them for a while, which was pretty nice. I mean, they had 10 guys on that 96 team that got drafted and played in the NFL in the 98. I played down there, and we had been rolling pretty well offensively and struggled against their defense a little bit. I think their speed gave us a little bit of issues. We, we got it a little close, but uh, weren't able to make that much of a game of it. But 97 actually took them to, I think, triple overtime, and, uh, you know, Matt Hasselbeck had a really good game uh, that day, and we, I think it was 47 or 48, 47 or something like that, and uh, we missed going for two in that uh, third overtime, and they ended up kicking it to uh, to win it. So it was a, that was a pretty exciting game. But I mean, everyone who you talk Miami, there's two games they remember. They remember the hail mary pass on the winning side from from Doug Flutie to Gerard Phelan, and then they remember the Ed Reed game where BC was driving and Brian St. Pierre had a pass. You know, they're going in for the game-winning score, and Brian St. Pierre had a pass uh, deflected and intercepted and taken back uh, for a score from Ed Reed, and that was just uh, – I'd never seen a stadium so quiet in my entire life as I had, uh, I saw that stadium that day, and I would actually was back in from – I think I was back in or from Cleveland that time or I'd already moved back, but uh, that was uh, – I was – unfortunately, I was there, but that was a really great game to watch. Yeah, you know, I, I remember that one too. You're right. You know, Brent Musburger, he called both of those games. I remember talking to him about it, and he was just saying, yeah, you know, that, that moment, Ed Reed picking that ball off. And uh, I well, forget. Actually, Ed, Ed Reed he, didn't yeah, pick he, it off. He stole it. picked it he off. He stole it from And then him, yeah. he took it from the defensive yeah. lineman and then ran for a touchdown, which was actually pretty impressive that late in the game. And then he just, the way he just, he was clear, he just basically walked into the end zone yeah, on the other right. way. <laughs> and that, that he spiked the ball just in the student section. Oh, that was yeah, that's a tough yeah, one. Ultimate insult to injury at that point. And that that year too, guys, you remember that was borderline the best team. A lot of people still say it is in college football history. Yeah, that was a really good team. That was a very impressive team, and a lot of people would have, they would have talked about that upset for a long, long time. But uh, it wasn't to be. Yep. It wasn't to be, but uh, there, you know, maybe with the uh, the mojo of the '83 team and the '93 team going to be back there this weekend for the game and to be honored during the game, the '93 team that beat number one Notre Dame 
in South Bend. Maybe their mojo can uh, rub off on BC this weekend. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's been some wins. I remember my senior year, 07, Matt Ryan, we beat them up pretty good. Uh, senior, I think it was senior day, actually, in November 2007. So, we, and then, but with the conference realignment, I don't think these two teams have played since 2000. 12. I think 2012 was yeah. the last time they played, and I think it was like 49-32 was the game. Chase Reddick uh, was quarterback for the Eagles then. I, he threw for about 400, 400 yards that yeah. game, I believe. I believe he had a pretty big game, but uh, BC wasn't able to stop them much on uh, defense that time. But, uh, yeah, they, we haven't seen Miami in a while, and that used to be a staple. used to be a staple end-of-the-year game for when we played them, when we'd have to go down there. It would always be the last week of the year, which – was nice because the weather was getting cold in Massachusetts, but if you haven't seen 80-degree weather in a while and then all of a sudden you're playing in 80-degree weather, it's not exactly easy on your conditioning. Yeah, no question about it. In the orange, the old Orange Bowl, it was, that was a tough place. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's I would say those are the two things. Not playing Miami every year and Notre Dame every year, about moving to the ACC with football scheduling. I mean, most of it's been great, but I, I think those two things uh, you miss out on a little bit. Yeah, that that comes with, and you know what though, that that comes with today's college football. You lose some of those yep. those neutral. Uh, I guess you would call it the 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 neutral games because Notre Dame is not in a conference. You use because when you're in a conference now, you have to play so many conference games that you lose some of those neutral site games, or you get to lose some of those non-conference games that you don't get to play uh, because your schedule's so limited, and not a lot of coaches want to play. Um, not a lot of coaches want to play that in non-conference just because you usually want to get a couple wins and hopefully get your, your team on the track to get in a bowl game because you get those extra practices and extra development time. All right, so let's we'll get we'll preview the Miami game in a couple minutes. First, I like, it was a bye week for the Eagles, 5-2, and two, sitting at 5-2. and two. Good chance to rest up. Uh, first of all, Scott, how was your weekend, and uh, what were you watching around the ACC during the bye week? I was watching a, a a bunch of hockey games from my sons. I had three of them on Saturday, and then I was put to work on Saturday and Sunday to clean out my garage, my basement, and my attic from my from my wife. So I I got to see some of the North Carolina State Clemson game, which I really wanted to watch, just because I felt that NC State had a good chance against Clemson, and they quickly proved me wrong as Trevor Lawrence lit it up, had his first three, you know career 300-yard passing game for Clemson, and they really kind of dominated that game. That defense from, for Clemson is really, really impressive, and Ryan Finley struggled with a couple picks, and I think he had a fumble as well. It, was, uh, it definitely did not live up to the hype uh, of all the, uh, the expectations, but then you did get to see the upset a year so far with Purdue, a team that, you know, BC, you know, was playing okay with, except, you know, minus a bunch of turnovers, and Purdue kind of ran away with it after that, but, you know, a team that upsets the number two team in the nation, by, you know, Ohio State, I did get to see a good amount of that game, so um, it was crazy, and it's crazy in college football that if you're not ready to play, especially on the road, there's nothing guaranteed, there's no such thing as an easy road game unless you're maybe Alabama, but if you're not ready to play on the road in conference, you got to You got You have an opportunity to lose every week. You know, and it, how about Purdue? Just quickly, when we played them, they were zero and three, lost by eight combined points. So you can kind of sense they were coming on strong. And since then, four straight wins. Yeah, so, and you know, you and, and from watching Purdue, and I remember from just seeing them for the first three weeks, they had a lot of you know miscues versus Eastern Michigan. But the first game against Northwestern, you know, they played very well. It's just that they they had a different quarterback. Play and I think it was Elijah Sindelar playing, and he just couldn't hold on to the ball. 
he turned it over three or four times, and you can't win when you turn the ball over that much. And and then when you know when they lost to to Missouri, they were scoring and moving the ball up and down the field. They just couldn't stop Missouri's offense when they needed. And I think they made some adjustments, but that's you know a lot of kudos to to Jeff Brom and and when they kind of switched quarterbacks and, and stuck with David Blau. They've really become a whole new team, and they're pretty tough. And they're, you know, as we, as BC saw, uh, they're a force to be reckoned with. And as you mentioned, four four wins in a row is, is nothing to, to to sneeze at. And then just to wrap things up, a good actually a good break for BC and Clemson winning because you know, and BC in a way still controls their destiny. They got to hope for another NC State loss, but at least. You team you beat to beat you gets a loss in the ACC, and that's why these games, Scott, Miami, the upcoming ACC schedule, these games are so so important. It's really a two game swing when you beat a team. Yeah, exactly. Especially on your side of the conference too, yeah. and, and don't yeah. forget that that actually matters for for bowl season as well as bowl seating and alignment and where you want to be and and wins wise that 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 stuff all matters, and you know you still have a chance. Uh, BC wins the, you know, if they went out, as you know, people may laugh or think whatever they want to think, but if they do win out, they will, you know, have a chance to, to play for the ACC championship, and that's something a lot of these seniors have uh, have thought of and 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 practiced for and worked hard for. So, you know, Miami's a great challenge for these guys. You offensively, they're they're in a little bit of turmoil as they're they're rotating through their quarterbacks. Nikosi Perry, who's a redshirt freshman. Had been starting and and he struggled against Virginia. Was benched to bring back Malik uh, Rozier, who is a fifth year senior, and now he's going to be starting against BC. So they, and Mark Rick's getting a little bit of heat from people on his you know boring conservative offense. And uh, their defenses though is the thing to talk about. You want to talk about a special team? They they're what, in seven categories. They're in the top five in the country and. One with tackles for loss. They have 81 tackles for loss, and they're number one in the country on third down conversion, only allowing 20%. And for a team that has struggled on third down, like BC, that's a that's a glaring stat. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see. I, I tell you what, they're they're a physical, athletic, aggressive defense. They turn people over all the time. They have 17 turnovers. So BC really needs to focus on holding on to the ball. I think, and and really. You know, being aggressive, but that controlled aggressive, and take their shots when they get it. Expect some, you know, expect some fireworks. Usually, when you come out of a bye week, you ex- you expect to see some some new plays, maybe some trick plays. They open up the the playbook a little bit. So I expect it to be interesting on Friday night. And when you talk about you know the red bandana game and the Wells Crowder game, that's the time when you're in in Boston College where it is so electric and such an amazing night for so many reasons. Just. You know, everyone gathers for this, but the the ultimate sacrifice that Wells made for for the people in the World Trade Center and and the 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 total living of the the Jesuit motto of you know AMDG ad majorem de gloriam for the greater glory of God. He uh, he gave up his life so that others could could live and to have that celebrated on such a national stage on such a public stage with so many people. It's just what a great great opportunity for for Boston College. Yep. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. 
com. Yep, it's a Friday night game as well. You get the, uh, for the most part, the nation's watching you. Uh, so it's a good, good opportunity, Scott. Oh, yeah. And if they're not watching, they're listening. And we'll be on Sirius Radio, Channel 81, if yep. you're not watching on TV. But you're going to be the only game in town on Friday night. So that's a, that's a great opportunity. So hopefully BC can live up to, to that hype and, and to, to deal with that emotion. They did it last year against Florida State. So hopefully... You know the the state of Florida doesn't you know do well, and it's going to be cold. Uh, it's going to be chilly Friday night. They're saying in the 40s or 30s, and you know, I think Miami since 2014 is 0 and 4 when they've been in weather under 40 degrees. I expect a lot of heaters, long sleeve shirts, uh, hand warmers, and all that stuff going on the Miami sideline on Friday night. Well, let me ask you a question. We hear that a lot. And as a former player, you said you mentioned playing in hot weather was a big thing. Is that a little overhyped playing in the cold weather? Does it mean much for these Miami kids, or is that a real no, part that's of the a real game? Thing. Most of the, I'm guaranteeing you most of the kids on that Miami team, have, they're from the Florida area. They've never been in weather this cold before in their life. And although the heat is tough to play in when you go down just because of the conditioning aspect, the cold is tough to play in if you never uh, played in it for two reasons. One, it's actually easy to get pretty dehydrated and cramp in that weather because you feel like you're not sweating, that you don't uh, have to hydrate as much, which is not true. Nice little health benefit for you guys there. Um, <laughs> you know, little nutrition uh, advice. And then two, um, when you get hit in the cold, <laughs> it hurts a lot more yeah. than it does. It hurts normally to be it, but when you're cold and you take, you know, take a good shot, that thing stings for a lot longer. And hopefully with A.J. Dillon coming back and him and that pounding running style that PC likes to use, hopefully that can be something that wears on that Miami defense because after a while they're going to get sick and tired of, you know, hitting people up and hitting them in the hole in that cold. Oh, uh, Scott, great segue to my next question. Uh, it was announced that A.J. Dillon's been practicing, and if all things go well, he should be playing at least a little bit in the game on Saturday. What do you think we should expect from A.J.? And uh, is what type of adjustment is coming from an injury to play live football? Well, I mean, it's a huge adjustment for him. And as a running back, you got to trust, uh, trust your ankle. And that's what he's battling right now. And it's getting out there in full speed. It's different in practice because you're, you're in a controlled environment and you're on your own terms. But when the bright lights go on and, and all the adrenaline hits and stuff like that, you gotta, you gotta see how it feels. And it's, you know, some guys can get, get by without having to play that way. And, uh, you know, without being a hundred percent, AJ's such a special talent on so many levels. You wonder if 75% of him is still better than a hundred percent of a lot of other people. Uh, but it's going to be, it's great to have him back out there in whatever capacity and whatever he can give. It's, it's good to know. I think BC's realized that they can play without him. They've won a game without him uh, versus Louisville, and they've won a conference game. So they, they know that they can win without him. It's great to have him back and anything that he can give. And if you get 20 touches from A.J. Dillon and they're productive ones, that's that's a game changer right there because he's, he's that special of a running back. And, Hopefully, if he's at as close to 100% as possible, that's going to make it even more special, considering the stage, because he's just one of those guys that rises to the challenge, and when the bigger the stage, the better he seems to play. So that's something that you're really looking forward to, him. and I know he's definitely worked really hard to get back for this game for how much it means for him and his teammates. All right, Scott, just to put a bow tie on this BC-Miami preview Friday night, I'd like to get your opinion. What are some things as BC fans are watching or listening to you, what should be some things we're looking out for to know that things are going well on Friday night? What should we be looking for? Well, 
it's 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 something that you should watch. If you're watching on the offensive side, watch if there's any guys, any big guys from Miami wearing the number nine in the BC backfield. That's a bad sign because their defensive line is very disruptive. They have some pretty talented players um, on that front. One of them is um, is their leading sack sacker is Josh Jackson, who is. He's got five sacks on the year. He's he's an impressive guy, uh, and then you got to look out for for number nine, um, Gerard Willis, who's got 13 TFLs and two sacks. Joe Jackson's number 99. So you notice my theme: nine, 99. They're two big guys. Joe, Joe Jackson has five sacks and nine TFLs on the year. So those guys are very disruptive. If you see big guys with nine on their jerseys, that's not a good sign. It means they're getting past the offensive line and getting a lot of penetration and disrupting the offense. Um, defensively, for the Eagles, I think what they really need to do is to continue to make it tough on the quarterback, really focus on that third down defense, and, and turn them over. BC's, you know, BC and Miami are both tied. We're third in the nation with 17 forced turnovers. So if BC can turn Miami over on defense more than Miami can turn BC over on offense, I would expect BC to come out on the winning with the winning aspect of that uh, of the game because it's it's really tough to win on the road when you're t- if you turn the ball over. So hopefully BC can turn them over and hopefully uh, BC can can maybe get a couple trick plays or something in there or, or get a couple in the end zone and get Florida uh, excuse me Miami's defense on their heels and make Miami play catch up. Because if they have to play catch up, I think they're going to struggle because their quarterbacks just have not proved that they can win games on their own. Uh, without the help of that defense or, or without the help of, uh, you know, some of their running game. Well, hey, Scott, as always, appreciate coming on. Short week and, you know, Friday nights, I feel it's going to be one of those nights. It's either, it's a turning point, either good or bad. It's going to be a big night for BC football and uh, it sets the course for the rest of the second half of this year. Yeah, and that's it's a game I've been looking forward to since the schedule was announced and you get it coming out on a Friday night. It's this is the game that you're looking most forward to just because of how much it means to, to Boston College and, and to this to to the Crowther family, to Steve Steve Adazio and to that team. These guys really, really embrace everything that, that Wells stood for and they they really play and fight hard for this and it's such a great atmosphere. It's a Friday night game. I'm sure a lot of people are gonna have a find a way to stay warm, wear some long johns, bring your uh you know, bring your super fan shirts and be in the stadium early to get everyone going because it's going to be a it's going to be a special game. All right, Scott. Another minute of you. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Mike. Great. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including. State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.